Welcome to the Catholic Center. Welcome to the Catholic Center. Welcome to the Catholic Center. Well, hey, everybody, this is Father Brian. I sat down with Kevin this past year. Many of you know Kevin. He was a part of our community for many years, and he just graduated from the University of Georgia. We sat down on Earth Day, and we had a great conversation about the Earth and about prayer. I think that you will enjoy this conversation. My undergraduate major is Parks, Recreation, and Tourism Management, and that's through the Warnell School of Forestry and Natural Resources here at UGA. Um, and I also do research right now. I just finished up my research on um, lands, kind of urban ecology, you could call it, um, doing green space, analysis and land cover analysis within Atlanta and surrounding counties um, through GIS, which is Geographic Information Systems. And that's essentially what I'll be going to school for at the University of Wisconsin. Um, starting in June, I'll be moving up to Madison. Um, to become a badger. To become a badger on Wisconsin. <laughs> um but I'll be studying environmental observation and informatics. So that's kind of where the world of conservation and GIS meet. Um, and, and so what is your goal? My goal is to do um, land management consulting, um, whether that be for hunting or just private land management, whatever people want to use their land for. Um, it'd be nice to be a consultant for that. Um, but that's like a, retirement job there are not many of those around so it'll take a little bit to get there are those the those dirt roads in north georgia that i go to off-road on my jeep is that what those is that what those are those are uh public lands right it's it's yeah. sort of probably a forest service road mm -hmm. yeah um someone's job is to map all of those <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's something i could do one day yeah what is it that, what would be a dream job? Um, well, my dream job, it is one specific job. It is to be the director of conservation at Philmont Scout Ranch in New Mexico. But it's, and, it's and a, what is that? It's a tough, to, it's a toughie to get. <laughs> so Philmont is a high adventure base with the Boy Scouts of America, um, in Cimarron, New Mexico. Um, it was founded in the thirties and, um, it's a backpacking camp. So scouts come with their crew from their home troop and they backpack for either seven or 12 days. Um, and I've had the pleasure of working out there at Philmont um, in the dining hall in 2019 um, and just getting to spend a lot of time in the back country on my days off. I only worked four days a week in the dining hall. So three days a week I was backpacking or traveling around New Mexico or Southern Colorado. Um, and then in 2020, um, I was supposed to go out there as an environmental educator working on trail crew trek, which is one week of trail building and one week of backpacking. And that's an individual trek. So scouts would come individually from across the country to Philmont 
and myself and one other staff member would be meeting them and it'd be a group of seven to ten guys um, that we would be forming a team with for two weeks and living to like working and living in community for two weeks and you've done that as a teenager as well yes I did that when I was 15 um, back in 2014 I did um, a 12-day trek and hiked about 95 miles over those 12 days and what, what is your the longest hike you've done yeah, it's a 27-miler, so it was at Philmont. Um, it was in one day, so um, there are staff challenges at Philmont. Um, there's the Ranger Challenge, which is hiking from the northernmost staff camp to the southernmost staff camp in 24 hours. Um, there's the Cow Challenge, which is hiking from one cow camp to the other cow camp, drinking nothing but milk, um, all sorts okay. of different... <laughs> All sorts of different fun challenges, but this one was called Super Black Death, which is you hike from Clear Creek Camp, which is the farthest west staff camp, to base camp in 24 hours, and there are seven peaks in between those two camps that you have to hit. So it's about 27, 28 miles, um, and it is the toughest thing I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just physically exhausting, but absolutely mentally draining by the end of the day um and we were stuck in a thunderstorm up on top of a ridge line right before our last peak so we didn't get to finish our last peak because it wasn't safe to go up there because it's pretty exposed um but just sitting there in the pouring rain in the thunder and lightning for an hour and a half just waiting for it to go by by the time that was done we were stiff and we were absolutely miserable finishing out the, the trail. Hmm. But we got it done. Started 20, at 4 a.m. Yeah, started at 4 a.m., finished around 9 p.m. Yeah, the longest one I've done is 12. And that was at Grand Teton National Park. But that was, I mean, it felt all day. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. we basically did double, if not triple, of what <laughs> I did uh, hour-wise. Yeah. Yeah. That was a a long day. Hmm. And the day before, we had to hike out to Clear Creek. So we got a ride to this um, staff camp called Phillips Junction. And from there, it was a six-mile hike through the pouring rain um, to get to Clear Creek to start our our challenge the next morning. Hmm. So it was was wild. Yeah. (laughs) And you find it in general maybe not that 27 mile hike, but do you find the hiking life, the outdoor life to be something spiritual? Yeah. Um, I treat my camping trips and my time in the outdoors as a retreat. Um, just being able to get away from life and, um, spend time in creation, being aware of everything around me and being able to just relax most of the time it's with people that I'm really good friends with and people that I love, um, which just makes that even easier to just get away and mm. not focus on school, not focus on work, just hanging out yeah. and spending quality time together. Participate in nature uh, with others. So yeah, there's something, there's something I would say spiritually grounding about it. 
so the way that uh, I guess theologians right now are talking about ecology, uh, ever since Pope Francis came out with the Laudato Si document on the environment uh, back in 2014, theologians have been talking about nature and creation in the framework of generosity. So creation being a generous gift, something in which we can encounter God and something that is for us, something that is basically um, something that loves us, that communicates God's love to us. Uh, And so hence, there's a reason to enter into it. There's a reason to retreat into it, to pray into it. I try to, I myself, when I go hiking, I it's not your typical kind of prayer, but you're very much so uh, surrounded by nature. It's a very holy, very spiritual experience. And uh, I've wrestled with stuff in, in the woods and in, on the trails. Um, I've gotten angry. I've gotten lost, confused, turned around. And, ha- and that trigger like uh, some frustrations in my, in my soul or, or whatever, in my heart. Uh, and then like uh, tried to process those or pray through those. Uh, I got lost in the desert one time. Uh, out in Zion National yeah. Park, got lost out there, got turned around by myself. That was, which is not something you should do, venture into the desert by yourself. But I had like a, a birth, I had like a death rebirth experience where it got to the point where like that was what was happening in my, in my soul in a sense, where I was having this like wild, uh, the external uh, environment was like refreshing or resetting, rebooting my internal disposition. But yeah, and so hence also is that there's this uh, responsibility for us to take care of this beautiful creation, to this of this generous gift uh, that is given to us, to take care of it uh, for future generations. Yeah, so the idea um, being in the natural resources field um the idea of conservation and preservation is so conservation, they're different surprisingly. Um, so conservation is the idea of being able to use a resource. So sustained yield. Um, and that's where you like, you get the forest service talking about that a lot where you can still harvest trees and minerals and whatever, but you're using it wisely. So our future generations have it and then preserving it is to just not touch it so our future generations can have it and use it. So, um, like, all the work that we do is for our future generations. And me being the guy who wants to have kids, I want my kids to be able to grow up doing the same stuff I did in Scouts and being able to go out and go backpacking on the weekends and go fishing whenever I feel like it and like doing all that stuff. I want my kids to have that same experience. So it's a really personal thing for me to work to um, conserve and preserve our natural resources, especially in the U.S. Yeah, you're somebody who is very much so aware and connected to nature, obviously, but to the uh, natural world. Uh, And you appreciate it. And you appreciate it. You, You... have a relationship to it. Not everyone has a relationship to it. Some, some folks, probably myself included on days, like we just walk through it. Yeah. <laughs> As so, opposed to be in some sort of relationship, have a relationship, yeah. a, a fondness or an appreciation my, for it. In my tourism classes, I'm going to butcher this so hard because 
this is like a year ago we talked about this, but there are like three different levels of tourists, um, specifically when visiting like museums. Um, you've got like the browsers who just walk around and are just there. They're not really reading anything. They're not really taking much in. They're just there. And then you've got the people in the middle who are like kind of looking at stuff. They'll read for a few seconds of a brochure or like a sign or something. And then you've got the people who actually experience it, who are looking at every single thing, reading every single line on a sign. And you can take that out into the nature too. You've got people who just walk through it. Um, a good example is walking to class every day. You've got people who just walk by, they're wearing headphones, they're looking at their phone the whole time. And then I find myself in the middle most of the time, just in my daily life, um, walking around, appreciating some stuff. Um, there's a hardy orange tree that I look at every single day when I'm walking to campus. Mm. It's a beautiful little tree right next to the South Deck. <laughs> um, but then there's stuff that I like, I'll be on the phone with my parents or with other people making plans or saying like just catching up with my parents because I don't see them very often. And then there's that third level of people who appreciate every single thing, um, which I try to be that when I'm out on hikes and in nature looking for mushrooms or um, different animals, um, just different, different organisms um, around like in my immediate surroundings when I'm out there and just really taking it all in and appreciating it. And it'll slow you down on a hike because you see a cool thing. You go mm -hmm. look at it. You take some time. But I've really gained an appreciation for that and gained an appreciation for being able to have that mindset and have the knowledge base to know what I'm looking at and to know why it's there or what it's doing there. Um, and I think my education and background in that has really led, led me to that point. And that like, that allows me to go into nature and just get completely lost in it. Um, not focusing on my phone, maybe taking a cool picture here and there, but just focusing on nature, especially if I'm by myself. Um, during quarantine, I spent a lot of time hiking around the trails right outside of my house and just playing in the creek, looking for different um, animals and salamanders and snakes and stuff um, and just losing track of time. I'd go out there middle of the afternoon and be dark by the time I'm figuring out that I need to get home. <laughs> um, but just, I really appreciate those times where I can spend time in creation. And, um, I feel like you were saying it's very grounding. Um, and I feel like I reset every time I go and spend time outside and get a chance to be out there. Um, yeah, and what, you, what you know about mushrooms? Not much. <laughs> I, I, you got me hooked on them. <laughs> I, I had this new experience a number of months ago. Maybe this was uh, last October, I think. Maybe it was August. I think it was August. Where I go and visit my brother and we go hiking. And my brother stops and points at this mushroom. And I'm just on the browser. It's like, oh, cool. Whatever. But then he, he takes a picture of it. And then we keep walking. Then he sees another one, and it's completely different than the first one. Um, he's like, oh, this one's even cooler. Check this out. And again, I'm a browser. I'm just like, you know, looking at it. Cool. Right? It's mushroom. And then the more, he did that every, like, 
I don't know how long, every hundred feet, he'd just see another one. And there was a lot of mushrooms at this time in this space. And so all of a sudden, I'm getting fascinated because it's fascinating this guy, my brother. And then at the same time, all of these different mushrooms are, are colorful. They all different forms. They're kind of mysterious too because they're, they're, nothing surrounds them. Yeah. Like they're just kind of by themselves. It's like a one, one or just like a small family of them. Uh, and so I started taking pictures of him myself and we finished that hike and I finished visiting him and I have to drive back home and it's about a four hour drive back home and I put on uh, podcasts of mushroom lectures <laughs> and so I'm, I'm listening, I'm, I'm now way too interested in all of this and one of the things that I learned is that we're as humans, we're actually more closely related to uh, to mushrooms than we are to plants. Yeah, we're more closely related to mushrooms than we are to plants, to fungi. Yeah, it's a wild thing. You we went kayaking right after you had that experience, and you were telling me all about it. And that's when I got into mushrooms, and I got I spent a weekend in the Smokies for a class over Labor Day weekend. And there were some cool mushrooms up there. And bet, as soon as yeah. I got back, I bought a I bought a Mushrooms of the Southeast um, book. That's cool. So now every time I go and find a new mushroom, I'm flipping through my book trying to figure out which ones it is. And I've marked every single one that I'm fa- I've found oh, so man. far. And I've put a little note of where I found it. That's cool. That's cool. And you're you I mean you're capable of doing something similar, uh, like when we went kayaking. Uh, you were able to say, oh, hey, there's that bird right there or there's that tree right there. Like you were able to identify like very specific things, which I think is cool. I mean, you know, you know so much about the natural world that you're able to see it. Yeah. Uh, having that knowledge really helps you out with that. And it, I noticed that change this year. I finally like I feel like I hit that threshold where I started to see the natural world. Hmm. Because before I'd be like, oh, I want to learn more about that. And then I'd go look it up. And now I know about that. So every time I'm out there, I know about it. Hmm. And I can I can share that with other people. Um, I nerd out sometimes when I go camping um, with friends. Um, we went camping this January with a group from the Catholic Center. And there was um, eastern hemlock trees down by this waterfall we were at. And they all had these little tags on them. And I got really excited when I saw that. Because those little tags mean that those trees had been treated for um, hemlock woolly adelgids. So they'd been um, either sprayed or most likely injected into the root systems, some sort of pesticide to keep away the hemlock woolly adelgid. And I got to share that with my friends and like explain what the woolly adelgid is and how those trees are important and how most likely, sadly in our lifetime, they'll probably be gone because it's just a losing battle right now. <laughs> But there's, it's a beautiful tree and um, one of my favorites for sure. And getting to share about that with my friends was really cool hmm. and just got to nerd out. Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to uh, the natural world here in Athens, where have been some places, say two or three places that you've been to around Athens that would be great to pray in? Yeah. Um, if you go to, I'll share my favorite spot. Um if you go to Oconee Forest Park, so Lake Herrick area, um, you cross the bridge from the back parking lot and you swing a right on the trail 
a little bit up that trail right along the creek, there's a big old rock that I like to go sit on to pray. Mm-hmm. And then there's another big old rock in the Memorial Park neighborhood. Um, you kind of park that little, there's a trail crossing on Grand Ellen Drive. You park there um, and you just walk right down. And it's where, it's like this big flat rock that the, the creek sometimes runs over it if it's been raining lately. But when it's pretty dry, you can just go sit there. And it's nice and sunny and very relaxing there. Those mm. are two of my go-to places. And then the botanical gardens. I just love their trails just down by the river. Yeah. So how has your experience been here at the Catholic Center? It's been awesome. Um, I've been talking about it a lot lately. But from my freshman year until now, the Catholic Center has blown up. Um, it's not one of, literally. No, not literally. But <laughs> the community here is a million times better than it was my freshman year. I remember walking in the first time, and there were quite a few people around. It was for a freshman barbecue during Welcome Week, but um, it was the same few people that showed up all the time, and you didn't really reach many new people, and it's hard to think about, but nobody hung out at the Catholic Center. People would come for Mass on Sundays and for a few events throughout the week, but you wouldn't just walk in the doors and have 20 people around. You wouldn't just walk in the doors and be able to go hang out with the priests or hang out with the office staff like we do now, or at least like I do now. I don't know if I think everybody does it. (laughs) But, um, yeah, and then that kind of, there's a big culture shift between my freshman and sophomore year. Um, A lot of us got on the board that we're really passionate about just like growing the community here and keeping it going. Um, and around that time, we had a big jump in mass attendance. Um, more people showed up to the to the student masses on Sunday. Um, there were more events throughout the week. That was the first real year of men's ministry. That was back. I was the men's ministry coordinator my sophomore year, um, and we had events every other week for the first time ever. Um, it was something brand new. We had bacon and cigar night, and we had we had a speaker series. We brought in speakers, and there's stuff for people to do outside of just ignite and outside of mass. Um, and then that spring, we had an amazing retreat. And after the retreat, it was right around that time was when we first got our student room downstairs, the little tiny one that's now the counseling room. Um, that was the first time we had a space here to hang out consistently and do homework and just do life together. Um, but after the retreat, the number of people that started showing up just jumped. And we had a ton of people all the time, which was incredible. And around that time is when I started to get close to some of the guys here and really found like my core community. Um, and then junior year, we just kept growing and stuff was really good. Lots of events. Um, Arch was getting going. You had um, Seeking Water was still chugging along, but with James coming around to help right around then, that was a big, a big shift. Um, yeah. And then this year has been phenomenal. Getting the upper room, being able to see um, just how much this community has grown and looking back over my four years 
from nobody hanging out here to me walking in here today and seeing 10 different people who a couple of them not familiar with just hardly have ever seen them and it's new people which was a rarity back in the day It'd be the same people all the time but now we're just getting new people all the time um which is really special to see and um it's cool to have been a part of that change and been a part of that community shift from nothing into something and I'm extremely thankful to have been here for four years to have seen that and partaken in it yeah you've helped build it right you've you've helped develop it you've helped build the infrastructure to uh again talking about the future generations the future generations of college students is that you've helped pave the place pave the road for them to uh, have a culture have a space have a uh, the types of activities or events that uh, that help them and assist them in their own life Uh, but you've uh, helped organize that and invest it in the future for students who come next year, for students yeah. who come the year after. It's been, the freshmen have been inspiring this year. Just seeing them come in. Normally it takes people a semester or two to start hanging out here. But they popped in in August and they came in force and they have been going ever since. And it has been really cool to see, like, see that and be a part of their journey this year. Um, especially in a COVID year where they don't have the ability to just go to each other's dorms all the time or go hang out at the MLC as much as you used to be able to. Um, So just being able to have their home base be the Catholic Center, it's really cool to have them start with that as their freshman year instead of taking a couple years to get to that. And I think y'all played a large part in that in letting us make the upper room and letting us have this big space now for students to just take over all the time instead of being confined to a little tiny room downstairs. Um, This is the first year that I truly feel this is a Catholic student center, not just like a a church where the students are around. This feels like it's actually the Catholic center. So I've had the pleasure and the honor of being an Ignite small group leader this year. Yeah, how was that? It's been incredible. That's the Ignite's the freshman ministry. Yeah, So, um, I know going into the year, we were all super worried about Ignite. Um, we thought that nobody was going to show up and we were just going to have a lot of issues with attendance and specifically with guys. Um, normally there's two guys, small groups, and they end up combining halfway through the first semester because no one shows up. But this year we have never had to combine small groups. And there's always been people from both small groups show up enough to actually have a discussion and do small group like normal. Um, And so last night we had our last small group night of the year. um, And it was just really special to kind of see all the guys come back one last time. Um, We had a really good turnout from our small group and just being able to talk to them about how much they've grown. We kind of, reminiscing about the past year about how much they're going to miss our small group how much I'm going to miss those guys because it's been really it's been an honor to walk alongside them and be able to see their growth throughout the year um and then to have Steven my co uh small group leader he'll be the ignite 
one of the Ignite coordinators next year, which is really, it's been fun to see him come out of his shell here um, and see him grow into that role a lot of being a co-small group leader. And now moving on to coordinator. Yeah, so, so what, what happens in small group? Like, what do y'all do? Y'all hear talk from somebody and then everyone breaks into small groups. Yeah. And then... I can't speak for everyone else's small group. I can only speak for mine because I think they all look very different. Um, I know we always open up in prayer and then we go through our, our highs and lows of the week. Which, So normally we have close to 45, like 30 to 45 minutes for small group by the time Ignite is officially over. Um, and most of the time... It's about 9.20, 9.30 by the time we're finishing up our highs and lows. So we don't really ever get to talking about the talk unless it's a really good one or like it's something that guys resonated with a lot and they want to talk about. Um, but they lead the conversation for the most part. Steven and I just kind of facilitate the group. Um, we might ask a couple questions here and there, but for the most part, it's all them. Um, Last night, though, we just did highs and lows. We didn't talk about your talk at all. Sorry, Father. Um, we Then we played Wii Sports. We went to my house and played Wii Sports on a projector screen because that's something they wanted to do, and it was the last week, so might as well do something fun to finish out the year. Um, but just being able to do a fun social event as our small group was really special for mm-hmm. the end, and seeing them outside of the Catholic Center is always fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's special. Removes removes everyone from the context and then inserts them into another context. That's cool that they lead it with highs and lows because it's all personal, right? You're not just talking about something. You're talking about yourself. You're sharing mm-hmm. your actual experiences, your actual uh, stuff that you have on your heart or on your mind. Um, the highs and the lows, personal stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and it's allowed me to open up to them so they can kind of see my life too. Um, And I think a lot of guys have been very vulnerable in our small group, and I'm very thankful for that, that they are willing and trusting enough to do that. Um, It was right off the bat too that people were just opening up about their lives. There wasn't the awkward couple-month period of just getting to know each other. Those guys just really dove in. And they did it. And it's been super special to see that. Yeah, it's not common to have guys get vulnerable. Yeah. (laughs) Takes a while. (laughs) It does take a while. And everyone that I've met who has embarked on that journey, because it is difficult depending on your family situation, how you've been brought up, how much you've shared, what what you're taught to be as a man or as a young man. Uh, and then, uh, but I, every, from everyone that I've talked to who has ventured into, well, I can, I can share and people will receive it or people won't hold it against me or it's actually formed relationships and it's gave me a support system and it's created new friendships. And I recognize a new threshold of friendship and what is possible with friendship. Um, and such meaningful relationships, both with men and with women. Uh, but 
it comes down to that vulnerability. And so that's cool that the highs and the lows are capable of sharing that uh, or opening that door of vulnerability up so that uh, those relationships can form and that support system can be there. Because I'm sure that y'all talk about uh, stuff that stays in the small group, right? Yeah, it all stays in there. (laughs) It all stays in there. So it's like, all right, well, now you have a container for it. Now you have a place where you can bring the stuff of life that you're not just... You know, tossing on everybody or nobody's, you're not talking to about it with anyone oftentimes, uh, but now you have a place for it to process it, to wrestle with it. Uh, and that's a very, that's a very healthy thing yeah. to have. I think last night, a great example is um, Stephen and I were talking to one of our guys after Ignite um, and after we played Wii Sports and everything. He was just like, man, I really want this group to continue. And he really wants to like continue to be friends with the guys that are in the small group. Did um, you invite them to Wisconsin? No, I didn't. But, <laughs> um, there's so much stuff that they can do here at the Catholic Center um, to keep that going outside of a, like a traditional format being an Ignite small group, but you can just do whatever you want. Um, I think this year um, we have our men's Bible study at 6.30 on Monday mornings. And it started off with um, just a, a group of three of us wanting to do a Bible study. And then we invited more people. And it's turned into a really awesome community of older guys here at the center. But it's not through the Catholic Center. It's just an unofficial thing that we do on our own time. And it's probably been the most beneficial group I've ever been a part of. Um, yeah, it's a Bible study, but it's become a community of prayer and accountability. Um, and mm-hmm. everyone gets super vulnerable. Um, not necessarily on the whole group level, but in one-on-ones, um, in like small group formats, either during Bible study or after Bible study, um, just hanging out around a fire. It's really easy to just start talking and keep going. So Yeah. So for you personally, what has it done? Um, yeah, you mentioned, I mean, it's, 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 uh, created a meaningful, uh, significant relationship or a group, but for you personally, like what has that been like to experience something like that? Um, it's been really awesome. Just a lot of us go through the same struggles of life together. Um, and we have guys who are very wise and very knowledgeable, um, and you can learn a lot from them, and everyone just kind of feeds off of each other. Um, for me specifically, I've learned a lot more about Scripture. Um, I've never really been a big, I've never been one to read the Bible all that much, so Bible study has been forcing me to read the Bible every week, um, and just like learn how to pray in Scripture, um, and kind of how to interpret it a little bit better. Because it can be confusing sometimes. Yeah, it's all confusing. <laughs> yeah. So that's been really awesome. But then also um, it's really just solidified a lot of friendships um, and created a lot of lifelong brothers, I would say, um, hmm. that I know that I'll be friends with years down the line hmm. because of this Bible study and because of our interactions this year. Yeah, it's interesting that the uh, ways, like I said, 
like you've come to know a new level of friendship. You come to know a new threshold of relationship or, or brotherhood. Um, and that's, that's a, I think that's part of the good news of Christianity is that that kind of thing is possible. That kind of community is possible that you're capable of, of finding a support system that can actually prop you up and set you on a path towards God, which is this direction that everyone's trying to do. And then you become companions on the journey together and makes it a lot easier and you actually walk it better. Yeah. Being vulnerable allows for accountability. Um, so like if we're comfortable being vulnerable with each other, um, I'm going to be more comfortable saying, yes, I want you to hold me accountable on this, no matter how awkward or uncomfortable it may be. And just like having that accountability um, for different struggles in life and different things that I'm trying to work on has really allowed me to grow a lot this year into my faith um, and just as a person. Um, Specifically, I'm going to call out Pippo and Russ. Um, those guys are my two best friends here and we text each other almost all day, every day. There's something going on between the three of us, but there's also, and there's a lot of accountability that comes with it. Um, and they know, like they have my location, so they know where I am all the time and I have their location. So I know where they are all the time. And if I send out a prayer request, one of them, most, most of the time, one of them is going to call me right away. And be like, hey, what's going on? Don't just like give me some crappy response. It's going to be an actual, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? Mm. Um, yeah, it's intentional. It's super intentional. And those guys are absolutely incredible at it. And it can get uncomfortable because it's like stuff I don't want to talk about necessarily. But I've hinted at it in a prayer request. So they kind of know what's on my heart. And they want to dig down deep and they want to they want to hold me accountable and help me grow and um i like to think i do the same thing with them i facetime them all the time just randomly um and yeah the the three of us have really grown together we've also been friends since the three of us since like sophomore year pippa's my oldest friend here at the catholic center so it's been really special to grow with them for so long and have that relationship just really turn into something super special this year, especially because we're all be we're all moving to different states. Well, Pippa will be in Georgia, but Russ and I are moving out in a month and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a friend who I went to school with, who's similar, who uh, I talk with all the time, and I keep accountable. And uh, he reaches out to me. We're intentional. And he lives in a different state, different time zone. And we make it work. And it actually works very well. It actually works very well now with uh, communi- easy communication. Um, on, it's just ongoing. It's like one just ongoing conversation, uh, which is nice, which is nice because I need it. And we need, it's like you don't want to just lose all those relationships that you've formed, um, but to carry them with you into the future in whatever way that that looks like. Yeah, I found that it's it's absolutely important and uh, something that I value a lot. Yeah, yeah. This relationship is definitely between the three of us 
has been the most fruitful friendship of college and has really helped me grow so much. Um, I was talking last night to my freshman about how growth in college comes in different forms and it changes throughout the years. So everyone, I mean, when you go off to college, your parents are like, oh, you're going to be a completely different person when you come back. Everyone has that idea of freshman year is when you when you grow up, you know, because it's your first year out on your own, away from your parents, away from family. But um, I really think sophomore and junior year are the two biggest years for growth. Um, not necessarily junior year, but mainly sophomore year. Um, specifically looking at my time in college, my freshman year, yeah, between senior year of high school and the end of freshman year, completely different person. Mm. But I was still a 19-year-old who didn't know anything about the world. And not that I know much about the world now, being 22, but... You know a lot more. I know a lot more. Um, mm. But sophomore year is where I really grew up the most. Um, and that's where I started to take those next steps in my faith life to change it from like a childhood faith life where it's all the life teen and my parents making me go to church and stuff like that into something that is my own. Um, and like that is my faith life instead of being the way my parents worship or the way like my friends worship. It's the way that I worship. It's the way that I do my daily life. That's what I learned a lot about sophomore year. And then junior year, COVID happened, whatever. Yeah. It's pretty rough. But what, what was it in that sophomore year that did that? And like, how did you do that? Um, I joined a fraternity. Um, it's the Christian fraternity. It's uh, BYX. And through those guys, um, that was the first like real Christian community I had. Because, yeah, the Catholic Center was around. I'd go to Mass, do all the stuff. But like I said earlier, the community here just wasn't, at that level um and byx really does it right with like living in community um meeting every week in small groups and just like consistently being prayed for and having people pour into me and also being able to pour into other brothers um really taught me a lot and it also solidified my catholic faith um so byx is non-denominational for the most part um, you've got guys from all different denominations coming in and sharing their, their beliefs. Um, and being Catholic, you kind of stick out like a sore thumb compared to a lot of the rest of them. But, um, for a while it tested my faith for sure. Um, being in a position where I had all these guys who are super knowledgeable about their denominations, it made me kind of want to walk away from the church because I was like, oh, I don't know anything. Like, why am I Catholic? And then I came to the realization that that I love the Catholic Church and I am Catholic. And um, a lot of that was through the Eucharist. Um, you just can't beat it. When can't you, beat it. You can't beat it. <laughs> um, but it caused me to learn a lot about my faith because these guys would be asking questions. They'd be like, oh, why do you go to confession with a priest? Or why do you believe that, like, why do you venerate Mary and the saints and all that stuff? And it made me do research on my own and um, learn about stuff that I didn't know about before. Um, and so I could defend my faith. And But you started defending it. Why? Because right. it's something that 
I knew that I was never going to walk away from. Mm. Um, like, yeah, I had that moment where I was like, okay, possibly going to leave the church, but, um, deciding not to because of the Eucharist, um, and just the beauty in that. Wow. And when I made the decision to not walk away from the church and to just really dive into my Catholic faith was when I started to defend the faith more. Um, and that's also when more of those conversations would come up because I'd start, someone would say something I didn't agree with and be like, well, here's what I believe. And here's what we as Catholics believe. And then if I wasn't able to defend it fully, it'd, want, it'd make me want to go be able to do that. So I'd have to research it hmm. and learn more about it so I can talk more about it with mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember in my when I was in college, I had a group of guys that were interdenominational, non-denominational, and I was the only Catholic, so it was something similar, not a fraternity, but it was still a, a larger uh, group of guys that I found myself in, and we would do community every week. We'd get together every Tuesday night, smaller group, uh, perhaps there was a dinner, small group, and then do some sort of one-on-one or we'd schedule. I think what we did is we scheduled one-on-one for the following week or something. So like always, always doing something, always doing life together. And, uh, there were, there were differences in age. So it was, there would, it would be more like a mentor system. And I found that to be excellent. I found that to be excellent, especially whenever like the individual that I was with, like he would ask me about some some stuff, and I'm like, man, this dude's asking me. I'm like X amount of years younger than him. I don't know. No one's ever asked me stuff, and so it, it was cool because I would it like made him made me trust him more because he was I don't know he had that wisdom to him where he's just looking towards the truth and and trying to seek after the truth. Uh, so that was pretty cool, and and I recognize that that was a big part of my own formation of, of being in community with those guys, and uh, and it did at, at at the end of that. I think what I did is I just ventured fully back into my Catholic roots to explore, in order to explore, because people would ask questions. I'm like, ah, you know, I don't know, I don't know the answer to those questions, and then I just kind of did a venture, uh, fully immersed to answer those questions, to do research, to plunge into the world. Um, and I never left. Yeah. <laughs> I kept going, kept yeah. swimming, kept seeing how deep this place could get. And it only gets deeper. Uh, but I have a respect for uh, folks who are not Catholic, who are in different communities, uh, because I myself utilize those other communities. They do it so well. <clears throat> they really do. Um, just having lived with um, three guys who are all different denominations for the past two years, we live, I think we live in community very well because we all share about our faith and it's di- all of us are different. And we all learn about like each other's faiths every single day. There are things I learned about my roommates. I learned more about them yesterday just in conversation and I've lived with them for almost two years now. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, but in BYX, they, they do a great job with small groups every week that we have to meet in. It's required. (laughs) Um, and I just have really grown with a lot of those guys over the years that have been in my small groups. Um, and 
it's a Christian fraternity, but it's also a social fraternity. So um, we're not a ministry at the end of the day. We are doing parties and socials and events, but um, it's built on the common bond of Jesus Christ. And it's really cool to see a community and be a part of a community that can live in a secular world and still spread the gospel and be a light on the campus um, and specifically in the Greek life. you can get involved, check out our Instagram at Catholic Dogs. See you at Mass.